Good day, friends, and welcome to another episode of the NudgeCast. My name's Phil Bean. I'm your host, and I'm also the co-founder and president of Nudge. And today on the show, what are we going to do? We're going to take you through something that my co-founder, Matt Gamble, and I did recently. It's a webinar, actually. So I'm going to be basically queuing up for you several different segments of this webinar that Mac and I recently uh, did for our audience. And, and the subject of the webinar is basically the art of a great onboarding process. So the art of masterful onboarding, that's basically what we were presenting. Um, you're not going to get the whole thing all the way through. Um, how we're gonna how we're gonna move forward with this is basically I'm gonna queue up each segment. I cut out about six, I think six separate segments of this webinar where we talk about specific things. Most of what you hear is is gonna be basically Mac going through um, whatever the specific part of the subject is gonna be at any given time. As you know, if you've been listening to us a lot, you know we take a lot of pride in. You know, the amount of work and time and effort that we put into really honing in how we kind of teach the onboarding process and and ready our partners who are setting up their population health management initiatives, their remote coaching initiatives, set them up for success and long-term engagement with the clientele they're serving. That's what we're all about here. So what you're going to get in these, these six segments of this webinar and these snippets is basically some bits and pieces of the nudge approach to highly effective onboarding. So I guess the first segment is really just going to talk about the importance of it. So I want to go ahead and cue that up. And, and um, like I said, most of what you're going to hear is going to be my co-founder and CEO of Nudge, Matt Campbell talking. So let's go ahead and kick it over to um, the first segment with Matt. Really, this is such a critical aspect of the process that we see it's either going to kind of make or break an initiative in most cases. It's one of those things that it's, it's 90% of the battle. If you can really put together a strategic onboarding strategy and oops, that was kind of redundant, you know, the right onboarding strategy, it's going to eliminate so many headaches down the road, so many pitfalls. And so what we see is it's just so important to be kind of approaching this with, with the right kind of mindset and understanding how it all ties together. I think people sometimes get really excited about the idea of, hey, we're just going to start, you know, we're going to get a technology, we're going to equip everybody with it and hooray. And ultimately, what we find is there's a lot of things that are generally overlooked in the process. So it's something we're excited to get um, to dive into. One thing that I always like to stress is I, I do this a lot. I probably work with at least one business a day going through this process. So it's something I've, I've heard a lot of what works, what doesn't, seen the pitfalls, help navigate around them. It's something that this is generally, this is a huge part of what we do at this point. It's to Phil's point, we really consider ourselves a health engagement science and technology company. So technology is great, but if anyone that's worked with me knows, I always talk about, it's all about how we build the solid foundation on the front end before we even get to the technology. It's all about how you build a solid foundation on the front end before you even get to the technology. I think that kind of encapsulates what Mac was talking about in that first segment there. So Coming out of that, we're going to transition into a little bit of talking about just a couple of core concepts that are sort of underlying the onboarding process that can be real pitfalls if you don't understand them thoroughly. So let's go straight into that. Here's Mac again. Now we'll get to the two really important concepts we have here. So number one, outreach is not engagement. This is a common misconception we see across the board where 
if you are if you have a target population and you're sending them a lot of material that's not engagement that's probably outreach um, could be outreach to get people into a program it could be education but realistically it's it's maybe one direction it's not bi-directional so realistically when we're looking at engagement we're talking about something that's more bi-direction something that there's a little bit going going both ways so in terms of a good get, uh, maybe definition we can work from combines a person's knowledge skills ability and willingness to manage his or own health care with interventions designed to increase activation and promote positive behavior so Couple things in bold. Willingness, I think that's really a big thing as we're always gonna be talking about kind of, will, uh, kind of readiness for change and person's willingness to engage as well as activation. The idea, I think that's where it's so critical around the, how we're kind of tying together, you know, this, this individual technology and, and, you know, your involvement. It's really the idea that how we can best activate that individual. Something that's always important. So two, there's been an over-reliance on technology. So even though Phil and I are two of the three founders of a technology company, I'll be the first to tell you, tech, there's a ceiling to how effective technology alone can be in engaging people. Um, and it really comes down to kind of what subset of the population you're talking about. Those that are already intrinsically motivated, um, maybe fitness enthusiasts, those people you equip with technology, they can probably be successful. Take the average Joe individual who maybe has a smartphone but is not tech savvy. Uh, most people have issues navigating the various pitfalls of behavior change by themselves. So remember, people work with you because of you. They don't work with you because of cool technology you may be using. Something I always like to point out, technology is an element of your solution. It's not the solution. So something I always like to touch on because it's a really critical fact. So Bold thing for a tech CEO to say. Yeah. There we go. It's, we're, we're a piece of the equation. It all has to tie together. If anyone's worked with me knows, always use the kind of idea of a, the, the puzzle analogy. We're all puzzle pieces. Your solution is all the various pieces you're tying together and all has to look like one concise, logical picture. So pretty much every day now, Mac is helping someone um, on a call, basically walking them through developing an effective onboarding process at this point. So, I mean, I think, those two things that he covered, they're extremely important and I can't really stress them enough. Um, and they're concepts that he brought up because they come up so often in our conversations with not only, you know, the, the companies and individuals and organizations that we work with now, but, you know, back before we were so hands-on with, you know, developing engagement strategies with organizations that we work with, we saw these pitfall, pitfalls come up um, and rear their heads all the time and it was very frustrating for us but what it did is it you know helped us solve these success gaps for our customers for our partners um so to kind of reiterate you know and echo what he said outreach is not engagement and that's that's just something that we you know saw over and over again that people thought that you know you know we have this amazing technology that we can use to engage these people when i send them an email with a link to it why don't they just all show up in the software after that well you know, you have so much more of an opportunity to personalize the experience than that. And we just want to help you through that process. And that's, you know, a big part of what Mac is getting at in that, in that uh, segment there. He also mentioned, which I think is probably not something you'll hear from a lot of uh, technology company founders, but specifically an over-reliance on technology being a pitfall. Um, and I guess that, that ties in pretty directly with the, the outreach comment as well. But, you know, I think it's very easy for us all to, you know, want to just look to a software solution and hope that it'll solve all our problems so that we won't have to do, won't have to deal with as much at work. Right. And, 
Um, you know, I've been guilty of that in the past. Just, you know, create an automated email series and everything will be solved. But um, in fact, you're sort of missing the value that your program is able to provide by doing that. Um, and I think that can be highlighted even more in this next segment where, um, and, it, and it's just kind of, sort of a quick snippet that I wanted to pull out of the webinar where Mac talks about, talks about some one specific thing that, you know, we found that correlates very strongly with how long people engage with different initiatives and programs. So check that out here. Quick FYI. So we have seen, and this is going to be really important. We're talking about a remote coaching program in general, a correlation between the amount of face-to-face -face interaction you have with a participant and the length of time that person engages in a program. So we're still really trying to get all the data out of this, but we're hearing more and more from all of our partners that, Hey Mac, I found that the more we have some kind of, it really kind of comes down to the more we humanize the experience on the front end or just in the earlier stages, onboarding, so on and so forth, the longer we're able to have people engage in a program. So a lot of what we try to do, and you see this with kind of our brand in general, is everything we try to do is humanize it. You're, you're dealing with, you know, Phil, you're dealing with myself. You're not dealing with a random website that has a logo on it. So the more we can make a coaching program even though there's tech, it's tech enabled, it's not solely technology. You know, it, it's an extension of that professional and the relationship you have with your client or patient. So it's something that's really important as well. So I thought that was one of the more interesting findings from, you know, our experience working with organizations over the past couple of years. Um, and it really is as simple as, you know, that face-to-face -face opportunity that you can get is the best opportunity for you to build trust. I mean, it. so many of these things can feel a little bit kind of generic, even when they're, you know, a little personalized or there's an, some effort to personalize um, outreach and engagement uh, through any kind of, you know, web-based or mobile communication, even text message um, or SMS. Sprinkling in that FaceTime really allows for the opportunity to to start to really build that relationship. Um, you know it as well as I do, just from you know your experience in day to day life when you can sit down, need to meet with someone, and get to know them a little bit. Um, the the groundwork for empathy is set, and you can really start to relate to that person better. And and that's exactly how the participants are going to feel about you. And if you can't get you know the time to actually get in person with someone. A video conference is, you know, darn near as good as long as you can kind of develop that that FaceTime and, and kind of spark the relationship that way. At least they get to know who you are in that circumstance, even if, for example, a video call isn't working on their end or something like that. They get a name with a face and see that a real person is caring about them on the other end. So that's always an important thing that we like to touch on, you know, since we've, we've kind of learned it as we've gone. Um, you know, the next... The next segment, you know, Mac is really going to start to dive in some of to some of what our approach looks like. So it's kind of some of the things that we actually take someone through in terms of understanding the importance of qualifying uh, participants before they actually get into a, a program. So before they're actually onboarded, for example, onto a remote coaching platform, before they're actually fully engaging with the practitioner. Um, you really want to take some careful steps to qualify. And he's going to talk about some of the most important factors that you need to learn about before you actually begin that process. It is all important to understand your audience, know your audience, know who you're talking to and know who you want to participate in the program. You have to nail that. And here's Mac talking about it now. 
we generally are looking at it from just kind of five phases of this. All starts the the idea of identifying the population first. So who are we trying to engage? So think about it this way. If you think about marketing, it's whenever you're marketing, and Phil can attest to this, it's a lot easier if you're marketing to a specific person or persona. It's really difficult to market to a broad group of people because you can't resonate with them. So it's really important that we always try to identify who is that person we're trying to engage with that subset of the population. What are those characteristics? So something we're always, anyone that's worked with us, I harp on that constantly. Um, then we start getting into you know, the connection strategy, the engagement criteria. There's all of these other pieces that really come into play, but it all starts, like I said, the, these multiple stages build into and tie together what we consider kind of this onboarding strategy and onboarding process. So keep in mind, we're, we're not, we're not uh, stick with me as we're touching on all these pieces because this really is all tied to onboarding. We have to really understand who these people are so we can understand how to, how to frame things for them properly and something that comes up a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard, for example, um, depending on what specific industry you're in, you know, the value of being niche. Um, all that ties back to really just understanding the population that you're mm -hmm. speaking to. Um, that's really the what makes marketing easier. And um, the kind of business advice that you're getting about being niche is basically a shortcut to really targeting your audience. Um, you know, what, what you're able to do though, and this, from this perspective and what, what Mac is going to walk through is really identifying specifically who you're actually going to be serving, you know, whether you do have a broad, broader audience or not, you may be serving a more specific segment of that audience and really understanding what those uh, segments are yep. made up of. I'm glad you touched on that because very regularly someone will say, Hey, look, we have a population of maybe it's hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, whatever, whatever it may be. And then they say, you know, we do it, we need to engage them. And everyone's probably heard me say this before. It's we're not going to engage the entire population. We're going to peel back the layers where we're going to identify the initial kind of subset we, we can be the most effective with. So part of, part of this exercise, part of what we do is we, we actually run populations through what we consider our, our engagement qualification matrix. So we actually try to qualify them. So the reason this is so important is you have to, you have to understand how to frame it to the right population. So we start looking at, you know, what's their level, of, or excuse me, do they fall within our target population? So regardless of whether you have, um, you know, your clients are signing up and putting money down to be in a program and work with you, or, or is this an at-risk population? Do they have a condition? Whatever it may be. But we always look for those that say, hey, does it fit? Does it check this box? Are they within our target population? What's their level of buy-in? It's always so much easier to work with those people, as you'll know, that are intrinsically motivated. Always something we look for. Uh, how much, the amount of kind of face-to-face -face interaction, and that can be both in person, that can be through web conference. Ultimately, it comes down to the whole idea of humanizing the experience, like I mentioned. And then the extent of technology, you know, what's the access level look like? What's the comfort level look like? All of these tie into when we're looking at kind of framing for a population, making sure we can kind of craft the messaging correctly. So what does this all mean? Your onboarding approach really has to align with your population. So we're going to kind of present this framework here so that everyone has a, has a good understanding of the approach, but ultimately know that there's going to be some fine tuning that's going to occur based on some of these initial items we've walked through based on keeping it as, as connected and matched with your population as possible. So now that we've gotten a sense of the process, I want to kind of peel back a couple more layers of the onion, I guess, with the next segment. And so the way this is going to go is basically um, Mac is going to start talking about um, some practical examples of, you know, how kind of different 
factors that you've identified about your audience, different attributes will impact the way you actually communicate them in order to engage them effectively throughout the course of your initiative. Um, so throughout the program. So uh, that is a really important concept of course. And you want you want to kind of dive in. It'll become more real once you hear some of these examples. But what's great about this is you also in this segment get to the next kind of one step deeper, I think, which is, you know, okay, that's great that once I know these factors, I know how to communicate to the right person or I need, I understand that I need to customize my communication to fit with that specific person. But what's the best way to identify those factors in the first place? So how am I going to get that information? So um, we'll touch on that a little bit in the next segment. Um, both of those, both of those ideas. So let's peel back a couple more layers of the onion here. Let's go through a couple different scenarios, just a very practical. So for instance, say you work with just two different scenarios. You work with someone who is, has significant, you know, they're intrinsically motivated, they're tech savvy, and they're a part of some kind of remote offering. I feel like I'm getting this a lot right now as people are saying, hey, I have a fully remote offering. People are working, I'm working with her all over the country, all over, all over the world, whatever it may be. So knowing that this is a person that's bought in, they're tech savvy, you know, it means they have a device, they feel comfortable with it, and it's a fully remote offering. I'm probably going to frame it in a way that really is maybe around that technology that knowing that it's something they're interested in, um, something that we can help them work towards their goals, you know, it's ongoing accountability, maybe the coach in your pocket type concept, but take, take someone like in contrast. So look at someone that's maybe has bought, is bought in, but maybe there's um, some face-to-face interaction, but they really aren't as comfortable with technology. I'm going to frame things completely different for that person than I would for person one. And ultimately, it's so important because what we see is when we start looking at different types of programs here in a minute, you really need to try to match that with the individual you're working with. So just think back to that marketing concept. The messaging I'm using for person one may be different than the person the, the end, than person two. So this much may be much more of a help me help you if you really want to kind of optimize your results, um, really focused on the simplicity if, if we're talking about technology so we can frame things a little bit differently. So does that make sense to everybody? Just always like to touch on this because framing is such a big part of this. Yeah, I think the, the kind of logical question um, coming out of this is maybe taking one step back from here. And so like, how do we start to identify like how these people fit within these? Like, how do we find out there is buy-in there? How do we find out they are tech savvy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most organizations or, or individuals you work with, there's some type of maybe you're using an assessment on the front end. Um, in some organizations that are deeper in healthcare, maybe they're using an analytics platform. It can really depend on the type of organization. Ultimately, we always encourage when possible, including questions if possible, to, to help set the stage to get a sense of readiness for change. So for instance, if we go back to this whole idea of, you know, we're looking at this through multiple factors. And we say, okay, well, you know, even if we know all of these people are, you know, within the population, maybe they're, they're either my clients that, have, that are paying me each month, or we're talking about a larger population that is um, through the analytic system, we see that all these people have a specific condition. The next piece of that is going to try to understand what is their, re- you know, where are they in terms of kind of readiness? And this is something we're going to get into here in a few minutes mm-hmm. is going to be ultimately, how do we now start identifying those we can actually be successful with? Because I'll tell you, not everyone wants to be engaged unless they're, even if they start paying you money, you're still going to see there's going to be different levels of buy-in. 
So yeah. we'll start getting a little bit deeper. In yeah. here in Obviously, if they are reaching into their wallet, that's a good sign yeah. that they are. But if you're thinking about what Mac is saying here, some of it is just as simple as being able to add some of these more behavioral focused questions into yeah. the idea of a first step or an assessment. So if you're starting with, say, a population of a thousand employees that you think are fairly qualified for this program, if you can continue to qualify through some type of questionnaire where you can get a little information on whether they're ready to participate or have interest in participating mm -hmm. or, you know, for example, our tech savvy. Um, these are specific questions that are going to potentially set you up for success uh, down the road. So that's kind of And there's different ways to ask it. I see, you know, luckily a lot of our partners listen to their assessments for, for feedback and can be just something as simple as, hey, how, how motivated, you know, how motivated are you to accomplish this goal? Something like that. Sometimes I've seen some organizations kind of gauge it internally. Um, I was doing an on-site with a group two days ago. I think it was or yesterday. All my days are blurring together because I've been on the road. And they were showing me they actually did some things internally where they were starting to kind of to, to identify. So it, it there's different ways to do it. and But ultimately, it's going to help you peel back these layers to ensure that even though you're working with a company of, let's just say, a thousand people that are in the population, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to start by trying to engage every single one of those people. There's, there's probably a very a much smaller subset that is not only a fit for your program, but is also wanting to engage with you and are the ones that you can be the most successful with. So really to Phil's point, it's gonna be very different if you have people that are coming to you and, and paying you individually, you know, a membership or you know, just a monthly subscription to be your client versus if you're in a setting where you're saying, hey, we're more B2B, so we're selling to businesses, there's a thousand, um, thousand individuals here we're trying to engage, that it's gonna be different. So it's going to, you're gonna to need to have kind of that additional layer where maybe you're using an assessment um, or an analytics platform, something along those lines to help kind of better identify. But ultimately, something along the lines for readiness for change and assessment can be helpful. I'm really glad we got to touch on some of those practical aspects because we always get asked those questions, right? You know, it's it's great to hear, you know, a lot of this theory and these stages you need to go through. But when you find out some some of these um, um, attributes of, of the population you're working with, of the group of individuals you're working with, whoever this may be that you're serving, um, how do you actually use those, those bits of knowledge to turn that into more effective communication? I'm glad Matt got to touch on that a little bit. So we're going to go a little bit deeper, but I really hope you guys are enjoying this because this is a different thing for us. I hope this hasn't gotten kind of unwieldy. Um, I think the, the story arc is actually going pretty well here so far, but I'm looking forward to getting some comments from you guys. So as you may know, we post all of these episodes on our blog as well. If you just go to our website, nudgecoach.com and click on podcast at the top, it'll take you to the most recent. I would love to hear what you think of this episode that's all kind of broken up like this. Um, and let, let me know if we should do another one like this in the future because I'm only going through snippets of about the makeup about, you know, a third of the webinar that we did for everybody. So we can always do a part two of this. And I just, I, I need to go ahead from you guys though. I need, the, I need the word of the people to let me know if I need to move forward with that or not. So um, I'm going to wait to hear from you. Comment on the blog. Um, send us an email to learn at nudgecoach.com um, and let us know what you think of this one. But getting back into it, there's one more segment left. And, you know, speaking of, of getting down to the practical, um, we've sort of talked through everything you need to know from a high level to be really effective at onboarding at this point already. Um, now what we're going to jump into is basically a spectrum of, you know, different types of programs. I'm sure 
you know, a lot of you are listening. We haven't talked much about, you know, fully remote programs versus programs where I do have an opportunity to have some of that FaceTime that we talked about earlier. How does the strategy change between those two um, types of programs and how can I still be effective in the remote program or what are some of the pitfalls that I can have some more control over and avoid them more easily if I am having some face-to-face time. So let's dive into Max thoughts on that and then we'll wrap it up from there. All right. I would rather spend and I, I usually do the majority of time with the groups I work with on the kind of workflow and onboarding piece because ultimately this is where, like I said, you're going to either make your life a lot easier, or a lot more complicated. So it's always a great place to spend time. And so there's a bit of a spectrum here. So I wanted to make sure to touch on this. So in some cases, some businesses use a highly, highly scalable hands-off approach. So you're talking about maybe you have a fully remote business in a lot of organizations now, regardless of size, regardless of whether they're more wellness or healthcare, are starting to use very scalable models and very scalable approaches. Um, and you can pull that off. The idea of this comes back to the idea of understanding who you're targeting, because this type of approach can work well if you know specifically you're targeting a very specific subset. Where there's some pitfalls here is that if because you're doing such a hands-off approach and you can't necessarily frame it or make it feel as personalized for individuals you're working with, there's definitely some friction points or some pitfalls. Um, whether it's just from the general onboarding process, whether it's from onboarding onto the technology platform you may be using, something like Nudge, um, with expectations, framing the what, there's a lot of different pieces you need to try to accomplish in a more scalable manner, whether it's through your email workflows, whether it's even trying to incorporate some light um, telephonic resources along the way. This can work, but you really, really have to be almost laser focused and spot on with exactly who your subset is. In contrast, here's the other extreme. Steve, our chief science officer, onboards all of his clients. He's about 150 of them. He runs a lifestyle program in his practice. Every single one of them in person, he will grab their phones out of his hand, out of their hands. He will get the platform on their phone. He will get them signed up. He'll get them connected. He'll get all their apps connected. And he sets aside a few minutes to go through kind of, you know, expectations and so on and so forth. That extreme is, isn't practical for a lot of businesses, but it shows you these two different extremes because they're very different approaches. The in-person approach here on the right, though, what's great about that is you can eliminate all the pitfalls associated with, with a program if you spend the right amount of time with it. And that's why we always encourage our partners to onboard in partnership. So even if you can't do the Dr. Steve approach, which most people can't, most people have more of a remote program, there's different ways to do that. In partnership just means doing it with them. Don't just, in in technology in general, whether you're using our system or using a different system, is I think one of the biggest pitfalls I see is sometimes groups associate technology with the idea, hey, I'm just going to throw it out there. We're going to, you know, tell people to download and and get Mm -hmm. connected and, you know, voila, we have an engagement strategy. And really not the case. So ultimately, it's we want to make sure that the the onboarding process is really done in partnership that can be done through te- telephonic resources. But when better, back to that whole, day of hu- whole idea of humanizing the experience, looking for ways we can really tie in, you know, a face if we can, web conference, in person, it's really going to go a lot further. I was, on, I was working with a, a coach this morning, who had a, you know, was talking about the idea of putting the coach's face more front and center of our platform in the communication to try to really, um, you know, further emphasize the, the idea of kind of the humanizing it. 
And I thought it was a great idea. So just the more we can do along this, the more it's really going to provide value to you and your program and really set a solid foundation for long-term engagement. All that, and we ended right back where we started, guys, setting a solid foundation for lasting engagement. Well, thank you for sticking with us all the way through that. We have a lot more where that came from. This webinar on the art of masterful onboarding was much longer than the about 15 minutes of recorded time that I had cut up within those six segments. So give us a shout if you liked it. We will air more of this um, and keep sharing it with you guys. And you know, if you go check out this, this episode of the podcast on our blog, we'll have links to where you can go and watch actually the recording of the webinar in full. Um, so check that out. Make sure you've subscribed to the Nudgecast on your favorite podcast app. We are even on Spotify now, or at least that's what I hear. So if that is indeed the truth, shout out to that one guy that I called out last episode who's a Spotify employee who actually got us up and running. Appreciate that. Um, so we'll keep it moving for you guys on the next episode of the Nudgecast. Until then, um, be well, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>